Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dan Snow's History Hit. Hope you're all doing okay. Hope you're doing as well as can be expected if you're locked down wherever you are in the world. Keep it tight. Stay at home. Let's keep the lockdown working. Let's not put pressure on our medical systems. And the sooner we do it, the sooner this is going to be over. We can get this done. Uh, this is another podcast. Try and pass some time. We've got the brilliant Johanna Katrin Friedrich's daughter. She is a Norwegian scholar. She's a historian. And she's gone there again, which I, I can't resist talking about. She's gone there. She's talking about shield maiden. She's talking about women warriors in the Viking world. She's written a book called Valkyrie. There is this enduring fascination with, for some reason, like why, why are we obsessed with female warriors, particularly in the Viking world. Like you don't you don't get this obsessed with other cultures and, and civilizations. And it was a chance to ask her about our enduring fascination with the women who fought in the Norse Viking world. Why are we enduringly obsessed with the myth, the culture of female warriorhood? And she had some very interesting answers about that. It's around it's about myth, it's about archaeology, it's about literature. So enjoy this podcast. We've got plenty of Viking material, plenty of early medieval material over on History Hit TV. You go to History Hit TV, it's like Netflix for history. Thousands of people are signing up to try and make these days go a bit faster. So thank you very much for that. We've got a special offer on during the lockdown. It's If you use the code POD1, P-O-D-1, you get a month for free, totally free. Then you get the next month, which is one pound, euro, dollar, whatever you're paying in. So you get historyhit.tv with thousands of back episodes of this podcast exclusively available there or History documentaries, video documentaries, it's all on there. All your history needs in one place. We've got new projects going up all the time. We're still in production at the moment, even though we're in lockdown. It's going to be an interesting one, but uh, bear with us. And you can get all that for just basically one pound euro dollar for the first two months. So go and check it out. Pod one is the code. And don't forget, if you don't want to pay any money at all, don't forget free of charge. We've got History Hit Live on YouTube every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday at four o'clock British time, at 11 o'clock Eastern, and at eight in the morning Pacific time, we have got a History Hit Live on Timeline, YouTube's biggest and best history channel. On Friday morning, on Friday, we are talking to James Holland about the Second World War, about D-Day in particular after his best-selling book. We've had Chernobyl this week. We've had a history of pandemics. We've had Margaret Millen talking about the First World War. We'd like to hear any suggestions you may have. Please use the hashtag History Hit Live and let us know. In the meantime, here is Johanna Katrin Friedrich's daughter. Hello, welcome on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Dan Snow. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much. Now, we've had this subject on the podcast before. People love arguing about this. 
warrior women in Norse Viking history. Where's the scholarship at the moment? Are the shield maidens a reality? Were these women fighting on the front line alongside the men folk, or is it all mythology? Well, it's a great question. Really fascinating. I have to admit I'm a little bit skeptical that there were many of them, but I'm sure there were some. And you can kind of try to break it down a little bit into the archaeology and like the the sagas. Yeah, great. Well, let's do that. Let's start with the sagas because, well, I was going to say they were there first, but of course the archaeology was there first. But but the archaeology is, I guess, a more a, a recent development. So let's let's start with the sagas. What do they tell us about gender, about Valkyries, about this tradition that seems so strong of female warriors? Yeah, it's really interesting that these Scandinavians have all these legends and myths about them. And I think the, the Valkyrie is a really, really fascinating figure. That's the, the supernatural woman who decides who lives and dies on the battlefield and sort of hovers in the air during the battle. But then in these kind of more realistic sagas that are usually called the King's Sagas, they kind of describe all these battles, both in Scandinavia and also overseas, when the Vikings were going around. And they usually don't have, or they don't have any women, period. And then it's like when you get into the more realm of fantasy and you start having sagas like with dragons and magic potions and, and like dwarves and all kinds of more like mythical figures, that's where you start getting female warriors. So I don't think that necessarily Scandinavians thought of female warriors as like real or the, the people writing these stories down a little bit after the Viking Age. Aren't there one or two little glimpses, like little hints in the written sources that there, there were women wielding hard power as well as operating perhaps at court, perhaps, you know, with, within families and powerful families? There's definitely lots of women, you know, partaking in various political machinations and, you know, they most of them are just as ruthless and cruel or, you know, not enough <laughs> as, as the men. So, you know, when they sort of succeed in politics or don't succeed, it's not necessarily because of their gender. But then you, you kind of have a few written sources from Ireland and the continent where there's like mentions of women being kind of around the Vikings. But like most of them kind of talk about how in the British sources they say that the Vikings had their wives and children with them when they were going around England, but that they would put them away before battles and stow them away in a safe place. And then there's a really great French annal that talks about like, a Viking siege of Paris. And they seem to have the, their wives with them and they're like kind of berating them for not being manly enough during the battle, um, which is a frequent occurrence in the sagas, actually, like women goading to violence. But like most of the written sources kind of don't really have any fighting unless it's like in a fantasy realm. There's one source in Ireland that talks about a red maiden as being among the Vikings. And I'm not really sure. I think that's really, you know, quite possible, in which case then we would have one. But like some scholars kind of dismiss that written source, you know, as, as sort of being propaganda. And so they would have made the Vikings seem more barbaric and maybe that than they were, including having women warriors. I love that quote. I often, I often read it out to my daughter. And it talks about the vomitings of pagan ships, doesn't it? It's extraordinary. And then fleet of the red, the red girl or, or whatever. I just find that so tantalising. OK, if our obsession, our modern obsession with shield maidens doesn't come 
from even from the literary slash historical written evidence, the sagas, where does it come from? Well, I suppose, like most recently, it comes from this grave in Burka in Sweden that's like reignited maybe a, an old debate about women warriors. And that's a really amazing grave. It's, it's not new, so there's nothing new about discovery. It hasn't been recently excavated. It was done in the 1880s. And it was always interpreted as a really high status warrior grave. But then, quite recently, this team of archaeologists in Sweden, they did a DNA analysis of the bones, and it turned out that it, it was a biological woman in the grave. And, and because of all of the weapons, it, it had always been kind of interpreted as this quintessential warrior grave. And then this just kind of totally went viral. I think it was in the autumn of 2017. And, yeah, I didn't really anticipate this field kind of being written up in all of the major newspapers in the world and so on. And then, yeah, I guess we've been kind of talking about that grave ever since. Yeah, people are obsessed with that grave, aren't they? I mean, is there some suggestion that the because the excavation was quite a long time ago, it might not be the body that was originally in the grave? Like, well, where are we at the moment on that? Are we, are we confident that that woman was buried in that place with all those weapons of war? And, and what was she buried with exactly? Yeah, she was buried with all kinds of weapons. That, and what was really interesting as well was some of the clothes were sort of like not very traditionally Scandinavian and were probably imported from somewhere in Kiev or something like that, somewhere in Ukraine. And I think there were aspersions cast on, on the, the bones and whether the bones were actually correctly identified. But I'm pretty sure that they've they've been able to prove that they used the correct bones in the analysis. Yeah, it raises a lot of questions, I guess, about like who this person was, because I don't know whether they were able to place the person as, as coming from a specific place, but I know at least they said they were not from that area, like Birka. So, yeah, we, we, we really don't know who this, this person was. Why have you written this book? Whereas you wouldn't have written this book if it had been like, warrior women in the Anglo-Saxon England like what is it with our obsession with Norse women and violence like you know why do we keep hunting for it well that's a question I I ask myself a lot as well but I I guess I wrote the book because I was teaching Norse mythology and then the students would ask me these questions and because of the written sources I mean I don't think in Anglo-Saxon culture you have any kind of equivalent of Valkyries or shield maidens to the, the extent that they're developed in Scandinavia, at least. And so because, you know, everything might kind of fit together quite neatly, the shield maidens and the, the graves and everything, and then these little amulets, like there's this amazing little figurine, I think it's a silver figurine that was found in Denmark, and it, it's clearly like a woman holding a sword and a, a shield. And so there's just all these kind of interconnected motifs and everything, and, and so it, it sort of speaks again to the like maybe the cliche that Scandinavian women are so strong or something like that but yeah I I don't have a clear answer to when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Well, it's good for you that people are fascinated by it because you can write wonderful books like this. I know. So what else in the archaeology is happening at the moment? Are there any other glimpses of female worries in the archaeology? I think there's a couple of graves that are sort of being reanalyzed, and I think there was a, another one in Norway, and they're doing a DNA analysis of that one. And that was, again, the bones were sexed female in the 80s, I think, but the grave itself was much had been excavated much earlier, and that was a really interesting grave as well because the person in it was quite short, and again, like I don't think there was. Sort of signs of of this woman having been a very robust warrior, you know, with lots of battle wounds that have healed and so on. Which kind of some archaeologists they don't really want to categorize anyone as a warrior unless the the, the bones actually suggest that sort of lifestyle. So there's a lot of questions coming up, um, but I don't think we have any new graves that that are showing up at the moment. So rather than exploring what we what we don't know, what, what do we know about the status of women? I mean, how, how would women have fared in Norse society, Viking society? Did it strike contemporaries as different to how um, Britain and Ireland, for example, or northern Germany handled, like we saw its gender roles and gender politics? Well, first of all, it depended a lot on your class. And I think for most people... Life was just a never-ending cycle of work. <laughs> and I think that goes for all of the countries that you mentioned. But maybe for women in Scandinavia, what was unusual was that the men were going away on these Viking expeditions, which included raiding and you know doing trade and so on. And so then they would kind of have to keep life going in the meantime. And that's perhaps some explanation of why I sort of enjoyed a relatively good status legally but most of their days would have been you know caring for children making textiles I mean the work in, uh, that was involved in making textiles was just like all consuming basically just to keep everyone you know in clothes. And what about traveling because we think of the settlers well in fact when I was in Iceland there was a very interesting DNA study being done about who were the women that came to Iceland with the first wave of Norse settlers were they British and Irish slaves effectively or, or women from the Isles, or were they Norse women that came across with the men? How much travelling do you think women would have done? Yeah, that's actually something that's sort of developing and, and becoming more refined. Um, so there was this famous study that came out like almost 20 years ago, I think now, that said that basically Icelandic DNA is male um, Norwegian and, and female sort of mostly Irish and, and you know, from the British Isles, basically. And that's sort of been refined recently, and studies are showing that there's a lot more Norse female DNA in Iceland that, than was previously thought. So that really tells us that people were uprooting themselves as a family, and the women were going with their Norse men. And it wasn't as simple as Norse men just going off and you know, stealing a wife or buying her, and then then moving to Iceland, and so it really kind of tells you that these women were real sort of settlers along with the men. And there are stories in written sources in Iceland that depict a few women as coming to Iceland and taking land on them uh, by themselves. 
what do you think? I always ask Viking specialists this, North specialists. What what is the enduring fascination? Obviously, for you, you're, I mean, you're 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 from that part of the world, but around the world, it's this absolute fascination with these, you know, maritime settlers, raiders, traders in the North Sea and the North Atlantic in this period. Why do you think we continue to find them so fascinating? Well, I think a big reason is because of the written sources kind of giving us their stories. And of course, you know, they're filtered through a couple of centuries of time and everything. But to me, it's just this kind of universal human appeal of the stories and the mythology. And it just gives us this... I don't know, insight into a way of life and a way of thinking that is in some ways so different from anything we experience. But because of the way that they're still dealing with their family problems and averse conditions and and succeeding, and I think that's maybe what appeals to a lot of people, just this mixture of, of heroic spirit and tragedy and and everything. And I suppose the, the fact that they emerge from a previously kind of overlooked part of the world and go on and, and briefly play a quite significant part in global trade patterns, settlement, conquest over a huge area. Exactly. And you find these, for example, Viking women had these brooches as part of their sort of normal costume. And we find like really similar brooches somewhere in Ukraine and then, you know, somewhere as far west as Iceland. And, and you know, it's just amazing to think that maybe the same person could have travelled these vast distances when most people, you know, never travelled, probably most Europeans, you know, they they might have gone to the next village or something. And, yeah, it's just astonishing that they went all the way to Greenland, uh, Newfoundland. And just the kind of resourcefulness and the resilience, I think, appeals to a lot of us. Well, it certainly does. So uh, tell us the name of your book. Yes, it's called Valkyrie, the Women of the Viking World, and it's out April 2nd from Bloomsbury. It's certainly a very good title. My daughter wishes that I'd called her Brunhilde. She's furious that we gave her such a boring name. She'll be reading this book, that's for sure. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think we'll have the history of our hope you enjoyed the podcast just before you go bit of a favor to ask i totally understand if you don't want to become a subscriber or pay me any cash money makes sense but if you could just do me a favor it's for free go to itunes or wherever you get your podcast if you give it a five star rating and give it an absolutely glowing review purge yourself give it a glowing review i'd really appreciate that it's tough world out there law of the jungle out there and i need all the fire support i can get so that will boost it up the charts it's so tiresome but if you could do it i'd be very very grateful thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.